Awesome. Well, I'm going to kick this one off, folks. This is an impromptu hashtag finance podcast. We have not planned this one whatsoever. Um, I'm pleased to be joined by Andrew Berman, Chief Executive Officer of Harborside. Uh, Harborside is one of the latest and newest listings on the Canadian Securities Exchange and um, is, has got some deep roots in the industry. They didn't just show up, not the new kid on the block by any um, uh, I, not, not by any measure, but uh, certainly you guys have a deep experience in the industry. And that's what I really want to start the conversation with, Andrew, is how you guys started this whole thing. It wasn't just you opening a bunch of dispensaries and being a uh, uh, recreational use facilities for, for people in California. This has a history that goes a little further back than, than, than going wreck. And maybe you can just start from that yeah, point. Yeah, it really does. And James, thanks so much for having me, impromptu or otherwise. It's great <laughs> to be here and really appreciate it. Yeah. No, um, and that is, that's a differentiator, right? We have been doing this for a long time. We didn't set out to be listed on the CSE. We set out because we believed in the plant. Uh, we believed in the plant as part of an overall health and wellness approach to someone's well-being. Oakland, California mm -hmm. was the first city in the United States to issue retail cannabis licenses. And Steve D'Angelo and his partner um, were able to acquire one of those. So we've been operating retail in California since 2006. Um, so just a 13 and a half years, 12 of those as a medical cannabis nonprofit. And it was that shift on January 1, 18, when the regs moved to a fully regulated adult use market that right. we, you know, Steve decided to step into a chairman emeritus role. And I joined as the, I came on as the chief executive officer. Okay. Now we'll talk about your background, but I, I'm curious because Steve has been put out, put out there as sort of the, uh, one of the industry pioneers, you know, he's been with the ArcView conferences that we're involved Correct. with. And, um, you know, he, he, he certainly looks the part. And, uh, if you, you know, he's not your typical uh, <laughs> suit and tie executive. But um, by my, my understanding, pretty cool guy. But, you know, how does he now play into the fabric of what you guys offer as an organization? Because yeah. I think what he is is, is a, a unique um, player in your, in your management C-suite. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So Steve provides a great, a tremendous amount of thought leadership. He has been a cannabis activist for 40 years. Right. Um, and so he is our chairman emeritus of, of the company, and um, and he was the chairman emeritus when I took over as chief executive officer. That's a great role for him. It, it gives him the flexibility uh, to be an advisor to the company, yeah. uh, to be an advisor to me, and continue to do things. We, we continue to have a mission of doing things for the industry, whether that is working on taxation or banking. Uh, you know, we fought the, the government on civil forfeiture uh, and providing thought leadership in terms of the speaking and talking about the industry and cannabis and shedding the right light on it. And so Steve's able to do those things in this role and he'll continue to do that with the company. What, what's civil forfeiture? What was that all about? Well, this is the amazing part when you think about <laughs> it. So the federal government, the U.S. federal government was out seizing assets as recently as 2012 and 2013. Harborside's civil forfeiture, we fought the government. Harborside's civil forfeiture case was dismissed. Wow. was actually dismissed in 2016. And here we are three years later, public on the Canadian Securities Exchange. That's a great moment. Really, the whole industry should be proud about that. We're, we're proud of it, obviously. We worked hard for this. Um, and part of being in a fully regulated adult use market requires a different strategy and a capital market strategy. And part of that has been fundraising and new shareholders and getting listed on the Canadian Securities Exchange. But the fact that 
Harborside's doing it, no. the industry should be proud about that. No kidding. And you guys mentioned capital formation or capital injection into the company to to pursue this vision. Um, maybe tell me what your plans are for all, for execution with the capital use of proceeds. What what do you think the sharp tip of the spear is on your uh, corporate initiative to grow the company? What what are you trying to put that money to work to do? Well, we uh, we are a vertically integrated cannabis company. Now, I share that with one caveat: is mm-hmm. that we have. A, we are producing more biomass than we use just in our stores, but that's good. We want that because we're selling that biomass to other folks that are in the industry whose products then come back on our shelves. But but being vertically integrated requires that we have the inputs on the biomass side, which includes our cultivation facilities. Right. Um, it includes the retail. So we had in January of 2018, two stores at the end of this year will be operating in seven stores. We have five that are up now, and we have two more that are under construction. Um, and we have over 200,000 square feet of canopy and three brands and a couple of more that are in development. So that's where this money is going to. It's being, it's, it's, it is continuing to grow our premier vertically integrated California cannabis business. We love California. It's a fantastic market. Right. The Bay Area is a great market. And we're going to continue to put those resources into that vertical integration strategy. Okay. And we'll talk about vertical integration and this and uh, retailing and branding after the break. First word from our sponsors. Public Entrepreneur Magazine chronicles a bold and exciting new chapter in the Canadian Securities Exchange story. With over 500 public companies and share turnover measured in the billions, we're proud of our reputation as the exchange for entrepreneurs. Public Entrepreneur Magazine gets you up close and personal with a focus on topical stories and interviews with the charismatic entrepreneurs that make things happen. If you haven't already subscribed, be sure to get your free copy available on the CSE.com. And we're back with Andrew Berman. Now, we were just talking about vertical integration in the cannabis industry. You've there's some different thoughts around, you know, what's happening with the cultivation side, whether or not that's becoming commoditized. And that's something that you as a retailer, you know, you explain to me, is it important to still have ownership of the product from the seed stage to ensure that the product that ends up on the shelf is what you want your customers to be associating your brand with? Well, and that's what it is. It's actually, it's for us, it is important still. Yeah. Um, we saw a couple of years ago that the industry was changing. We and, and, and what we see in California right now is that access to high quality, clean cannabis, clean cannabis tested right under all the new regs uh, at scale isn't easy. And there's not a lot of folks that have it to the extent we're not using our cannabis in our own products on our own shelves we don't have any cannabis to sell right now right because there because there because there's a supply shortage right of course yeah California. no one's going to give it to you to sell for you know money they could be making margin on i suppose well and there's just a supply shortage right yeah. now so yeah. access to clean cannabis has been important to us uh we'll we're watching it carefully we have the right so to your point about commoditization james yeah. Um, we, I've made a very conscious decision not to build out all the cultivation capacity that we have. Okay. Uh, so, so it gives me the opportunity, gives us the opportunity to scale up as we watch the market. Um, and then of course, evolve brands and of course, evolve and build out the retail footprint as well too. Okay. And when you, you mentioned clean, the first time I've heard the word clean cannabis, I mean, 
I've heard of money laundering, but I've never heard of clean cannabis. Oh, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, look, uh, the testing requirements in California yeah. are rigorous. They are in every state, but they're, they are very, very rigorous. And let's face it, if you have been growing indoor cannabis uh, in an old location in San Francisco or Los Angeles, right. uh, you, you got to wonder sometimes what's in the pipes. There, I don't know if you're following what's going on in the Central Coast in California right now. There 30% of the licenses, cultivation licenses, are held in the Central Coast. Um, and there's a dispute going on with the crop dusters and traditional ag and the cannabis growers that want nothing but clean cannabis, as that should be. So that's what I'm referring to. I'm referring to cannabis that has no microbials, no pesticides, mm -hmm. nothing that's harmful and can pass very rigorous state testing. State testing. Now, does your company take into consideration growing standards that might apply in Europe, for example? We hear a lot of companies that got... Uh, uh, GMP standards in Europe that may be different than what's in the U.S.? If... Right now, we're complying with California right. standard. We're not doing an export business right now. Fair enough, yeah. Uh, yeah, so... You mentioned so, there's nothing... <laughs> it's hard to get out of the border, let alone there's not enough of it to really well, get Well, and there. California standards are pretty rigorous. I yep. mean, they are for air vehicle. I mean, it's That's so funny. Point. I mean, yep. in the U.S., I mean, everybody's talking about clean vehicles. California, they're <laughs> just trying to get to the point that California's been at for 20 years when it comes to clean emissions. So we're really on the forefront. It's very, very tough, but... But this is what, look, this is about for our customers. Mm -hmm. We want them to know that this is a place they can purchase, a, they can trust the product, clean, tested. Uh, we were testing product when product didn't have to be tested. That, you know, Steve, you ask about Steve. So Steve saw that very early on. In fact, he was one of the founders of Steep Hill Labs yeah. because he couldn't find, he wasn't going to put a product on the shelf that wasn't tested. And he couldn't find a place to test it because it was federally illegal. So he created Steep Hill Labs. So trusted products. We always have a lot of choice, right? We always have a lot of choice. We, I'll admit it, we're not the cheapest game in town, <laughs> but we always have a value price. That's why we like our own product. That's why we like our own cultivation as well, too. We can offer a $35 eighth. Sure. And I mean, you know, you look at uh, companies like Canopy and they buy brands like Q or Tokyo Smoke exactly. for that premium, you know, style brand, right? And people do expect to walk in and pay more per gram mm -hmm. because they're going to get a better, you know, like you said, cleaner product. Um, now, how do you how do you convey that to your customer on the store shelves? Or is all your product, just to be clear, is all your product in your stores from your grow? Or do you guys bring in third party? No, uh, uh, it's, it's trust, choice, value. That's the choice part, right? Yeah. We, we have always been purveyors of fine cannabis, mm -hmm. and that's not going to change. And that requires us having a variety of products, and that's from other sources as well, too. Yeah. Well, about 10% of the products on our shelves are our own brand, so we have lots of other brands, and sure. that's good. Uh, when you talk about flour in particular, about half the flour that we sell in one form or another is coming through our cultivation facilities. But no, we, we want our customers to have choice. They like having choice. We like being able to offer that. Interesting. Now let's take a step back. I mean, we we did not. We've had a ten minute conversation or eleven minute conversation. We haven't even asked you know who you are because oh. uh, you know again we like to know who the people are running the companies. We talked yeah. about Steve. Um, I'll say this and don't take it. This is actually I think a badge of honor for the industry. But we've seen a lot of people who look like they work boardrooms more than they work fields growing cannabis. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's the evolution we've seen the industry undergo in the last four years has been professionalized 
Um, there's a lot of people who have got banking backgrounds that are in the industry now. Uh, maybe tell me how you ended up in the industry. Sure, yeah. sure. I, um, and, and we're doing something very unique at Harborside. Steve and I are friends. Uh, we talk every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've also gone on a bit of a capital market strategy. So I've got shareholder. I'm, 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 I'm waving my right. You know, I've got sort of Steve and Legacy Cannabis. Mm-hmm. Steve did a great job. And if he were here in the room, he would say it. He did a great job building Legacy Cannabis talent, but didn't necessarily have public for-profit business talent. And we've got shareholders that are, you know, like like other shareholders, they're looking for return on investment. So we are bringing something. I'm somebody who could balance both of those. And so what Harborside is also bringing to the table right. is that blend of traditional legacy cannabis with business. I met Steve in 2016. My, my personal hobby, mm-hmm. a business background, but my personal hobby has always been local government and and I live in Marin County, and Marin County was going to open up some licensing opportunities. And Steve loved Marin County and wanted to do some licensing. And everyone said, you ought to meet this guy, Andy Berman. He's got some cannabis interests in other states. <laughs> and I did outside of California. Right. And I had a business background. And I was mayor of Mill Valley, California twice. So he knows local government. And they said, you ought to meet him. And Steve and I were introduced. And uh, uh, he was doing a friends and family round. I invested in the business, and and we spent 2017 just getting to know each other. Sure, yeah. And meeting his uh, his life partner and his brother it was a family business, and his cool. daughters, and that's how I got into Harborside. He's he's like Andy. This is working really well, and the regs are changing. And Steve literally he sold the first gram of legal cannabis in the state of California and cut the ribbon and said, "Here you go, Andy." <laughs> <laughs> so it's, I'm sure it's you good. took a piece of that nugget and put it in a uh, box and, you know, it's on a wall somewhere or mantle. So you were a politician before? Or? Uh, well, I wouldn't say I was a yeah. politician. I'm actually, uh, I'm, a law- uh, I'm a lawyer by trade. I haven't practiced in a firm in over 20 years. I've been in business and uh, digital media and wireless and, uh, and, and education for better part of 20 years. And I got involved with cannabis in 2015 because because yeah. one of the investors in a business that I was working at, Canadian public company, Cricket Media, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. was investing in cannabis in Hawaii and said, God, you're a great startup guy. And you know you understand this stuff. Would you do it? And just did it. And and I got into the cannabis space in 2015. Okay. Well, we'll wrap up in a minute. But actually, you mentioned digital media. And um, you know we've seen there's a lot of barriers to marketing the stuff outside of the storefront. Okay. There certainly is. You can do conferences. I know that that's one strategy I guess you guys are employing, but um, how do you see this playing out? I mean, I, you don't need to tell me anything that, that, you know, isn't going to happen, but maybe predictions, you know, what's at some point, are we going to relax these rules? Are we going to be able to have um, commercials, maybe even on TV or digitally that show people associating themselves with the lifestyle of a product? Or are we going to just be getting packages of basically, you know, a logo and, you know. <laughs> I, you know, I think we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, whether cannabis gets advertised on TV, uh, you know, uh, it'll depend. I mean, tobacco isn't advertised on TV, but we will get there when it yeah. comes to regulated products. Uh, you know, America and Canada have gotten through alcohol and tobacco, and, and those are much more harmful products. The beautiful part about this plan is that is its beneficial wellness aspect. So I certainly hope we do. I think the scheduling of the drug, of the of the of the medicine itself is a critical component of, of all of this. Banking opening up, right, <laughs> right? Taxation. I think once those barriers come, so will the results and using digital media and other platforms to 
associate and market your product. And and remember, this is what are we talking about, James? Here, yeah. this is all about a stigma associated with a plant that was never justified from the beginning. So removing that stigma is what we have always been about. We have invited folks like you into the store. We want the media to come inside. Yeah. This is a good, healthy experience that we're offering. So I'll ask you a completely uh, you know, subjective question. Um, on a scale of zero to 10, 10 being still madly stigmatized, like reefer madness, and zero being, you know what, we've accepted it, there's no more stigma. Zero to 10, where are we on the stigma scale in the U.S.? Are we like a in the middle of road five? Some people are with it, some people aren't. Or are we still like at a seven or eight? I know in some states we're probably I pushing nine. I think we're at a six. Okay. And I say yeah. that because you've got, you've got uh, 33 states in the District of Columbia in the United States that have allowed some form of legal cannabis. So sure. roughly, you know. Three, you know <laughs> to do mathematically? Yeah, yes, I, I guess mean, so. 50 yeah. states and about 30. I'm three-fifths. It's 60, about 60. You know what I mean? Some form. And that's, yeah. Yeah, that's, um, that's where I think we are, right? When the rest of the states come online, then we'll see it. But that's about where we are right now. You have 33 you have 33 states' attorneys generals that have told con our Congress, mm -hmm. get your act together on banking because this is you're making this industry unsafe, keeping it cash. Yeah. You've got 20 governors that wrote con our Congress, right? So there's half. So we're, we're over 50%. And yeah. I think we're about 60%. And it could there. be a, an election issue and you got basically we got a slate of democratic candidates that are all it's 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 uh it's they're all in favor and right? it's all starting right. this week <laughs> the, this, the cycle has started exactly okay. well uh, any last thing you want to mention or push before we um we log off for the no day? look it's a pleasure to be here at the csc mm -hmm. we have worked hard for this as as have many we want to thank richard carlton we want to thank the csc for all their efforts getting here we're proud to be here and we and and and, and again for our you know for the folks that are out there um, you can look at our stuff on Cedar. You know we're 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 giving you the things, and there's and from the investor side, yep. there's trust, choice, and value on that too. We're always it's a tough industry. I'm, I'm always going to be straight up and trust you. You can tell what I'm going to tell you is what I what I what I can tell you, and yeah. be trust me about that. And and uh, people have choice in where they put their money. We appreciate that. And 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 gosh, I think there's some value here on the upside, right? Uh, just on a revenue basis, we're a top 15 company just based on our Q1 filings and. Uh, and so there's some upside there for us too. Thank yeah, you, fundamental CSE. supply. Yeah, fundamental supply always. Thank you so much, Andrew, for your time today. Uh, really appreciate you, you doing this off the cuff <laughs> podcast without, <laughs> without a regular crew on staff. That's fine. We're just figuring it out. And uh, have a wonderful stay in Canada. Thank you and so we'll see much. you next time you're in town. Thank you so much. Thanks appreciate so much. It. Bye. Hi, it's Grace from the CSC reminding you to make sure to follow us on social media for the latest updates on our listed companies as well as new listing alerts. For more in depth content, be sure to pick up our free quarterly magazine, Public Entrepreneur, available online at thecsc.com.